We are the greatest nation in the world. A breath of fresh air. Common sense. Very impressive. He's articulate and he knows exactly what we need. Herman Cain. Herman Cain. Solutions for a better America. This is your host, Herman Cain. Thank you for joining us because we're going to tell you the truth. We're going to give you the facts because we want you to be better informed to help make this a better America. Breaking news, breaking news every day with Herman Cain and the most connected man in Washington, Jamie Dupree. Hello, Jamie. Hey, Herman, how you doing today? Marvelous. So Hillary finally takes questions about her emails and says they're not her emails. Yeah, I guess, you know, theoretically, she's handed them over to the State Department, so yes. they're no longer in her possession. She's washing her hands of them. Exactly. I think, you know, uh, when we spoke yesterday, we had just gotten word and it got fleshed out a little more in the hours afterwards. So, remember, the State Department wanted to hold on to all these emails, go through them, and not release them until just before Iowa and New Hampshire next yes. January. Yes. A federal judge said, no, 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 that's not going to work. You're going to have to release them in uh, different uh, groups before then so we haven't gotten any date uh, you know calendar or anything like that next week evidently lawyers from the State Department will propose to the judge sort of a schedule for the release of some of these things and we'll have to see you know I just wonder in some of these situations Herman often I find as a reporter that we devote so much time and energy to waiting for the release of something and then the release comes out and the air goes out of the balloon yeah. so you know, I'm not sure that, it, of course, it, there's, there's no guarantee there'll be anything, quote-unquote, good in these emails. We'll just have to wait and see what the State Department releases. And I still think the Republicans in the back of their head are still wondering whether a lot of the, quote-unquote, good stuff just simply was deleted and not sent on to the State Department. So as of now, we should be getting some emails when we don't know. We hope to learn about that next week. Now, let me ask a hypothetical. Please. Now, let's let's assume, and we know that the State Department wouldn't cherry-pick those emails and send certain ones over and hold certain ones back. Let's assume there are 50,000 emails, but they decide 10,000 of them were too sensitive. Would a Freedom of Information Act be able to get at those? And by that time, the 2016 election will be over with. Well, listen, uh, that's the thing is that sometimes you request stuff, it's happened to me, and you get back a document that's all blacked out. Wow. And so I, I, I certainly would not rule out the possibility that there will be a lot of things blacked out, and you'll never have any idea really what was underneath that redaction, as it's known. So, yeah, I... Um, I don't know what to tell you there. We'll just have to wait and see what uh, what comes down. Okay. Now, these new bin Laden documents, are these documents leading up to the removal of bin Laden? Are they afterwards or what? No, these are documents that were supposedly seized in the actual raid back in 2011 that you know, where Navy SEALs killed Osama bin Laden okay. over at his hideout in Pakistan. Remember, uh, just a week ago, we had that report from Seymour Hersh, the investigative journalist, who said that the administration had basically told a big lie and that they, they, they didn't seize all this stuff, that they didn't have all this uh, you know surprise and everything like that, that it was all sort of set up for them. The White House pushed back very strongly. The, the director of national intelligence, who is the sort of top dog in the intelligence community, this uh, post in a department that was set up after 9-11, they evidently were planning this release, they say, before the Seymour Hersh article came out. So I just want to put that on the table first. What they released was a bunch of letters and other communications that bin Laden made to his family and to others involved in al-Qaeda. Also, 
uh, a list of all the different books and government documents that he had in his hideout that were seized by U.S. forces. And it's really interesting to go through some of them because some are things like, oh, a, uh, a book called Obama's Wars by a guy named Bob Woodward. Evidently, wow. that was on bin Laden's shelf. Also, uh, other things about the history of the U.S. war in Vietnam. Uh, a, a, a treasure trove of sort of think tank kind of reviews of the war against al-Qaeda and more. And then you get into the letters uh, that he wrote. And at, at, at times, remember there was that picture of him watching American television at one point in time. Yeah. He, he liked to keep up on the news from the U.S. There was one letter that I read this morning where he was responding basically to a State of the Union address by President George W. Bush in which he uh, got very aggravated that Bush had said, well, the U.S. is having success against al-Qaeda in destroying al-Qaeda. And uh, uh, Osama bin Laden refers to Bush repeatedly as the liar crusader. He's going on and on that he hasn't destroyed or annihilated al-Qaeda. He's, you know, and, and uh, he's just lying to the American people more. So it's really interesting to sort of get into some of these things and see, in a sense, that firsthand reaction from bin Laden to what U.S. officials were saying. But now, is it true that the bin Laden al-Qaeda uh, element is different from the ISIS element that oh, yeah. we are now facing. No, you're totally absolutely different. right. Uh, totally different. Uh, in fact, there's some, uh, you know, some battling even between the groups, and also you've had emerged the Al-Qaeda on the Arabian Peninsula in Yemen. So, yeah, it's 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 definitely not the same group. What was interesting was uh, looking through, not only did bin Laden have tough words for George W. Bush, but also for President Obama as well about his plans to keep U.S. troops in Afghanistan and to fight in Iraq as well. So, sort of some interesting reading. If, if you follow me on Twitter, at Jamie Dupree, you can get a link to it, or it's on my blog now as well at jamiedupree.com. Very good. Now, I don't understand why Mitch McConnell wants to pass the NSA or the Patriot Act unchanged, but in the House they passed it with some additional restrictions. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, what uh, At base here, there's a difference between some Republicans in the Senate and a lot of Republicans and Democrats over on the House side. Last week we had this bill that was approved by members of the House that would make some changes in the way that the NSA deals with surveillance. It would not allow for the bulk collection of telephone records and a number of other things. It would force, for example, if, uh, if the NSA wants to follow a lead, they would have to go to the telephone company and request these records. But uh, one thing that uh, that Senator McConnell and Senator Marco Rubio and Senator Richard Byrd, the chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee, they argue that these changes undercut the work of the NSA and undercut the work of U.S. intelligence. And so they're still angling to try to force some changes in that USA Freedom Act that was approved in the House. McConnell says he will give that a vote in the Senate. I'm not sure if it has 60 votes to get through. It's sort of the unknown right now. But we're in a little power play here, and it almost seems to me like that McConnell's going to have to get a little something. So there may be some changes yet to be made in how the NSA does its work. But uh, Rubio's argument, along with some others, is that it undercuts their ability yep. rather than... Uh, protect some of the liberties that we forfeited when they passed it, where they didn't have to get court orders and things like that. And I think that's at the root of a battle that's going on within the Republican Party and within the race for the White House, because obviously on one side you have Rubio, on another you have Rand Paul, and uh, even I think Ted Cruz has openly supported the USA Freedom Act as well and expressed his support. So yeah, there are some differences when it comes to the use of of U.S. force, the use of U.S. intelligence, and how they do that work in the fight against terrorism. 
I'm predicting that that won't be a trade bill. What do you think? Um, now, I think one will get through the Senate in the next couple of days or maybe after the Memorial Day break. We'll have to see. Uh, Senator McConnell last night filed the cloture to force an end to debate in the Senate. We'll see whether he... I, I think he's confident that in the end he'll have enough votes to do that. There's still some uncertainty over in the House of Representatives. But I just wonder, we hear all these people belly aching about it and talking about it. And then it's like with that vote on the U.S.-Iran bill on reviewing the nuclear deal. It was an overwhelming vote. We'll see. Sometimes these trade votes have been very, very close. I remember one like that in the George W. Bush administration. But uh, I think it'll get through the Senate this week. We'll see probably by tomorrow or Friday. Josh Ernest, on behalf of the administration, has called the fall of Ramadi a setback. Yeah, I don't think a lot of Republicans look at that as a setback. Speaker no. Boehner said exactly that yesterday in his comments to reporters. And and I, I think that uh, this is, you know, it's funny because in recent days there's been a lot of talk about uh, Republican candidates for president and how they answer the question, would you have invaded Iraq? And I think for a lot of Republicans, they'd like to turn that around on Democrats and say, was it really right to withdraw U.S. forces from Iraq? Because, uh, look, if the Islamic State moves and they're only about 75 miles from Baghdad, we could have a pretty crazy scene there in the Iraqi capital. Yeah, yeah. And I think for a lot of Republicans, while, you know, some are not interested in openly saying that we should be sending a lot of U.S. troops back into Iraq, they also don't like the the level of involvement that the, that the Obama administration has undertaken, seeing it as just sort of um, you know, not enough to stem the tide on the Islamic State, and that's one reason why you see such a divide on this issue moving forward. And, you know, it's funny how the pendulum swings. I mean, eight years ago right now, the big attraction, really, of the Obama candidacy was that he didn't vote to send, you know, to, to start the war in Iraq. Well, Hillary Clinton did. Yeah. And that really rushed a lot of uh, more liberal support towards him and away from Hillary Clinton because the, the pendulum was swinging away from George W. Bush and the Bush administration. And then, now, eight years later, it seems to be maybe going the other way. Uh, we'll have to see how it shakes out. Yep. One last question. Is anyone in Congress seriously listening to Alcee Hastings' call for a raise? Um, you know, there were a few people yesterday who said that they'd be interested in it. Uh, Steny Hoyer, who's the number two Democrat in the House of Representatives. But, you know, one thing that has changed around here is that there used to be, they, uh, in order to block the yearly cost of living adjustment pay raise for lawmakers, they would always have a vote on it on the floor of the House, and there would be people who get up and debate it. We're not even doing that anymore. And nobody has the guts to bring up a measure or an amendment uh, that would increase the pay for lawmakers and put everybody on the record. I, I think that there are some who honestly feel like uh, they should be paid more, that the, that in order to have a house back in the district, in the state, and uh, have a place to live here in D.C., that they should get a little more. They should get some kind of per diem. They don't get anything like that. You know, there are members who, who I think they, they sleep in their offices for the reason that they don't want to spend a couple of grand on a small apartment near the Capitol or something like that. You know, that's their option. But I do think, too, that there are a lot of people back home that say, $174,000, and you don't think that's enough? Why don't you switch jobs with me? Half of the families in the United States of America make $51,000 yeah. or less. Yeah, there's a lot of people that don't even exactly. make anywhere close to that, and they'd be happy to give that a shot and see if they could juggle that. So. 
you know, I get it. If you've been here for a while, it's like the argument that you should have more money available for staff. One thing that uh, Republicans have done in recent years, they've certainly put a noose on uh, spending when it comes to the legislative branch. I mean, the budget for the Congress has been squeezed in recent years. Again, I will say the the budget for the entire legislative branch is only about $6.6 billion in a $4 trillion budget. Wow. Well, thanks a lot, Jamie. All right, see you, Herman. You're listening to the Herman Cain Show. He won't stop shining a bright light on the IRS, the disgrace at the VA, and waste and abuse by big government. Herman Cain is on with solutions for a better America. Coming up, rapid fire. Rapid fire. 877-310-2100. Don't miss it. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.